Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Hope you're doing well. I was in D.C. last week. I might talk a little bit about that on some pro-life work and some studying and reflections that we have on some work we're doing now and what that issue looks like in the future. Still debriefing a little bit from our policy event from a week and a half ago. If you didn't make it out there, check our website and social media for some highlights of that wonderful faith, family, and freedom policy and educational event we had. As a matter of fact, one of the speakers, one of the featured speakers from that event is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. If you're new to the show, we talk about the issues of faith, family, and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And our guest today, really either her or her issue, so to speak, the one that she talks about the most, has been in all three arenas for good and for bad in some ways. We'll talk a little bit about that today, but Chloe Cole is going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. She's been a guest before. As I mentioned, she spoke at our event, too, a couple of weeks ago. We were excited to have her. Uh, she speaks on the issue of detransitioning. All right, We've talked a lot about this issue about protecting children from going through sex changes and puberty blockers and transitions and the impact that it can have on their body in a negative way and sometimes an irreversible way. And so Chloe has the courage of talking about those issues, not only in Texas, but across the country and she's making a difference. Chloe, welcome back to the Texas Values Report. Thanks for having me on again. Well, look, it's good to see you in person in Texas. A lot of interest in this issue, a lot of interest in people wanting to get to meet you. I had two of my kids there. You know, we talk about some of these things in our own household, but I think it's always interesting when people are there in person and get to interact with folks. And I know you got to do some interviews and talk with several folks there. And, you know, listen, we've done some work together. You've been to Texas. Uh, there were some elected officials there, but a lot has happened since the law in Texas on this issue has passed. But um, I, and I want to circle back around on that in just a minute. But a lot of your work has been getting around to other parts of the country, including Texas, as uh, we finished our legislative process. And so and, and maybe it's just me. But I mean, what has it been? Has it been about a year or so? Maybe it's been longer. I mean, at least since I can first remember you starting to get active. Why don't you tell us? I mean, how long do you think it's been that you've publicly been working on these issues? Yeah, I've only really been speaking out publicly since about spring of last year. It yeah. hasn't been very long. And already yeah. there's been a bunch of other detransitioners popping up. And we've all been working as a team to help legislators on this issue and nearly half of all the u.s states now have implemented laws to prevent what happened to us from happening to any other children ever again well and some of it's incredible. happened very quickly even though a lot of work has been going into this issue for a while we tried to pass a law on this issue two years ago so it wasn't like it was the first time for us but um but i think there was a lot of things that did happen this year as some things were coming together, a lot of states focused on this issue, including Texas. So we're excited to have a law in place. That law has been challenged. The Texas Supreme Court has said that challenge doesn't matter. The law is going into effect. And then we're going to see what happens moving forward. That case is not over. But as you might want to say, or people could say, we've, run, we've won the first round or the first quarter of this battle that may go on for a while. But in the meantime, that law is in place and enforceable in the state of Texas. Uh, Liz, I know a lot of the work you've done at our event and others where you've told sort of your personal story. And, and I don't want to dis be dismissive of that or discount it, but I know there's some things I want to talk about on this particular issue. But I do, in case people haven't heard of you before, I'd love for you just to take a few minutes to talk about your detransitioning um, 
journey and how some of that's played out uh, in the past four or five years? Yeah, so I was about 12 years old when I started identifying as a boy and I took upon the name Leo. I started changing the way that I presented myself, um, cutting my hair shorter, wearing boys clothes and such. And I told my mom and dad about these feelings that I wanted to not be their daughter, but their son. And they were very cautious about this at first. They wanted to be supportive of me, but they also wanted to just, to just let me be a kid and not have me make any permanent decisions. And they knew that it was pretty likely that it was just going to be a phase, that I was just going to grow out of it. And they, they also were concerned because they never really saw, they never really heard anything like this from any of my older siblings. Um, I'm the youngest of my family. So they thought, the best thing to do would be to seek the help of um, psychiatric professionals and start sending me to a therapist. But I mean, all these expectations they had that I would just be allowed to be a kid, that I wouldn't be making any really permanent decisions until I was at least legally an adult, or just they were totally blindsided by the response of the doctors. Um, the doctors really only took the affirmative approach. They never really questioned as to where these feelings were coming from, even during the psychiatric, even during the, uh, the psychological evaluation for gender dysphoria. They knew that I was previously diagnosed with ADHD, that I'd started puberty young, and they just, they ignored all this. And they kept saying that, they, they told my mom and dad that there was no other choice. They didn't present any, any other choice to me or them. They told them that it could be life or death for me if I wasn't allowed to transition, that it was very likely that I would become suicidal and that they could either have a dead daughter or a living transgender son, and that those are the only two choices. Wow, so, what 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 a circumstance to be in, right? And and for that to be the case, that you know, there are destroy your body or, or do things that could be damaging and irreversible or suicide or, or death, you know, as if those are the only two options. But when those are the only it's two not. options, that's a tough place to be in, right? And, and you could imagine, in your case and in others, why a lot of kids and parents have led their children in that direction, because they're not given all the information. Uh, we're talking with Chloe Cole. She's our guest today on the Texas Values Report. She is a detransitioner. The left and other people in the media, they want you to believe that these people, so to speak, do not exist, that no one has you know, gone through a sex change transition and then gone back. It's absolutely, but it's not true. And that's what's been so powerful about Chloe's testimony in her journey and the courage that she's had to talk about it numerous times and really to make it something uh, to where this is a passion of hers. This is a calling, if you will. This is a focus for her to get out there and talk more about it. But having lived through this journey at a young age, you heard her just mention starting at 12, going through some elements and some um, steps of the transition and then saying, you know, what, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And then and then moving back. Uh, but some things happen along that journey, Chloe, that uh, to your body that you can't change. Right. That are right. irreversible. And that's a big part of what you want people to know. Yes. So I was put on puberty blockers and testosterone at the age of 13 when I was barely halfway through my eighth grade year. I hadn't graduated from middle school yet, and mm. I was put on these treatments that would induce menopausal symptoms for me several decades before I was supposed to actually naturally go through menopause. So wow. 
I was just expected to be able to focus in class on my studies and live normally as a kid while I was experiencing hot flashes, things like full body itching, accompanying that, being extremely lethargic, and then the emotional and physical changes that came with testosterone. And at 15, I underwent a double mastectomy, meaning that my breasts were both removed surgically. And that was really the major turning point in my transition when I realized that it wasn't good for me, that it was causing me more harm than, than any good. And that parts of me as an adult, as a woman were being taken away before I could even call myself that. Um, I rejected my transition when I realized that I wanted to have kids one day. Um, I was 16 years old at the time. It was less than a year after I had gotten the surgery. And I started to really think about my adulthood, marriage, and what my family and life might look like, because that wasn't that far away. I mean, like, what were my kids going to call me? Was I going to be mom? Was I going to be dad? It felt uncomfortable to think about it either way because it just it didn't feel right. And I mean, I was I'm mostly interested in men and I really only want to marry a man. But how would a relationship like that work out while I'm also trying to play the role of a man? And how would that affect my kids growing up? Well, and look, now I don't are, even have the, the option to breastfeed. And I had only recently learned at that point how breastfeeding and other things like physical affection plays a role, a huge role in the bond between the mother and her infant and how that affects the infant while they, while they grow into an older child and an adult. Well, the, the, I mean, look, these are all important issues, right? That, and how could you at 12, 13, and 14 years old know or be thinking about those things. I mean, some people do get married very early in their teenage years, but it's not as common as it used to be. And a lot of that goes along with the natural development of your body, right? Yes. And, and you start thinking about some of those things. And so when you're going to a so-called doctor that is forcing you and forcing your body to reject or replace those natural feelings in biology, no wonder that a lot of people, you know, have this confusion or this time period extended or perpetuated instead of letting it just gradually play out naturally. And so, and I can imagine we're talking with Chloe Cole. She's a detransitioner. We've had her on the show several times. She spoke at our policy event. She goes around the state trying to help educate people on these issues, but also to support laws that protect kids from these gender transitions, puberty blockers, and mutilation of their bodies, sometimes that are irreversible. Um, but you know, Chloe, you naturally got to that point and then realize, oh, I didn't know I was going to feel this way. I didn't know this is how, you know, naturally I was, you know, um, going to start thinking about these things. But we know that as adults, medical professionals know this and they're deceiving, they're lying. And in many ways, I think they're preying on young people and sometimes their families. And so the courage that you have to continue to do that is absolutely extraordinary. And to spend some time with you in personally, recently in person at our event, um, you know, it, it's still striking to me, you know, if I may say that, right? Um, when I think about these issues, they, they've happened so quickly in many ways in our culture, at least that I've become aware of it. Um, and, and so, and I don't mean this in, in a way to, you know, for you or other people to, to feel worse about it. You know, 
I can imagine it is challenging to talk about that and to reflect, even at your young age, right? You're obviously very mature about some of these issues, and I appreciate that. But what about the psychological effects that that is going to have on young people when they realize, oh my gosh, I shouldn't have done this, or I've given up some things that I realize I'm, I would have wanted in the future. That's why we don't do these things on kids, or we haven't until recently. Um, I want to talk a little bit about what you see happening in other parts of the country, because now people are trying to shut you down, right? They're trying to silence you. They're trying to act still like you don't exist or that you're rare. And that's the exception really downplay the impact that you're having, but it's sort of too late, even though they're trying, uh, you're making a huge impact. What are you hearing now? I mean, I, I don't want to say the, the tide has turned so much yet, but I do think a lot more people are aware of what's going on and saying, you know what, this is valuable that she's getting to talk about these issues. Do you feel like now it's been a year or so that maybe you're getting a little bit more positive feedback and some encouragement maybe and, you know, and some recognition that, um, you know, what you're doing and what you're saying is making a difference? Yeah, the tide is turning a lot more than we might realize. Um when I first started speaking out, it actually really surprised me just how nice and receptive most people, both just normal citizens and politicians to me. Because when I initially detransitioned, I had lost pretty much all my support from the trans community. They took very aggressively just to me talking about the regret and pain that I had went through. And even while I was just talking about it, like on my personal social media, and I like a like a big platform i got shut down yeah. and i didn't really know how to respond at the time because i was just a 16 i was just a 16 year old girl i didn't know how to respond to so many people being so awful to me but i feel like that prepared me for having a bigger public platform i kind of yeah. knew that getting into it that there would be a lot of people who would be very aggressive to me who would who would threaten me my personal safety, even my family, and that they weren't going to be very friendly. But many more people have been very receptive and they understand that this is something that shouldn't happen, especially to children. That's something that we should fight against. Yeah, look, and there's good reason to have these concerns. We're talking with Chloe Cole. She is a detransitioner. She, as a teenager, she went through um, an attempted or an attempt to change her sex, to um, go through some very difficult, I imagine, and destructive procedures, some that are irreversible, and decided she didn't want to do it and then move back in the direction to naturally affirm her biology as a young woman and as a young lady. And now has the courage to talk about it, not only in Texas and through these shows, but also in our state legislatures. And I believe at Congress, speaking of platforms, you mentioned that word just a minute. You know, I know you tweeted something out the other day and your concern about these men that are now acting like women and they're, you know, just, and the media is sort of playing along with it, right? As if they are women. And they're not right. Almost as if, oh, this isn't a, you know, this isn't a big deal anymore. And we know that's impacting sports and other areas of our culture. Um, but I mean, I agree with you. I, I think it's becoming more and more of a problem that they're increasing or they're giving credibility to people on these issues who are involved in this sort of delusion themselves in, in a way to um, really mislead people like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And, and it's I mean, it's a huge problem. 
what um what why do you feel the need to uh to speak more about this issue i mean it's something that's affecting pretty much every facet of our lives from healthcare to these other begin these other big industries and and education both higher level education like colleges and universities and the educational institution that teaches our children and it's tearing apart families i know many children who have been affected by this as well as well as parents who have had their rights stripped from them by by teachers by doctors and even had their children ripped from their arms by the state it's not just something that we can stay silent about yeah well looking i mean we're talking with chloe cole she is a detransitioner uh if you haven't heard about her personal testimony and the work that she's doing check our social media we'll let her tell you where you can contact her or see more about what she's doing in just a minute speaking of that though california i will say surprisingly gavin newsom vetoed a bill that would have put the government in a position of punishing parents that uh, allow the government to take children away from parents who weren't you know so-called um affirming their desire to change sex right this gender affirming care all these different things the fact that that law passed is very concerning i was very surprised to see gavin newsom veto that bill and i read a little bit about his statement um but i i will say when gavin newsom thinks that the government's gone too far on this issue you know that tells you how far that side has moved or how some people have moved and so i you know i was great it was great I didn't say a whole lot and congratulations to him because there are other problems we're dealing with with his governance and the attacks that he's engaged in on the state of Texas, but certainly something to be to be thankful for um, and, and certainly a blow to that issue and the folks on that side in the state of California. Maybe that will help people understand this is a big deal and we shouldn't be doing this with the government. I think that was mainly Gavin's Newsom's point is he didn't want to have the, you know, the empower the government more in these family circumstances. But this is where things have been moving. Some states have tried to be more aggressive because states like Texas and 20 states are saying, hey, we're not going to allow this to happen. I imagine at some point we're going to see some congressional action or an attempt to that. I mean, look, I think this is going to be a topic that is a part of the presidential election. I mean, um, you know, I, I think it's raised to that level. Would you agree? Yes. And I don't necessarily think that the decision was made based on principle and it was more of a strategic <laughs> move. It's he probably saw it was best for him not to sign it into law for if he's going to run for president. Exactly. Maybe not yet. If he was still going to be governor, you know, because you got a broader appeal that you've got to look at now, just not being, you know, the governor of California. We'll see how that plays out. Chloe, if people want to learn more about your testimony, the work you're doing, maybe have you an event, um, how can they get in touch with you? So my main platform is X, formerly known as Twitter. But I'm also active on Instagram and YouTube as well, where I'm running a series where I interview other detransitioners. Wow. And my username on all of those platforms is Chuokole, C-H-O-O-O-C-O-L-E. That's three O's in the middle. We'll drop a link to that, too, in this Zoom and, and also on the social media connection. Listen, it was great to see you in person. 
I know you're very active. I know sometimes it probably, and you're young, you're much younger than me. So you probably got a lot of energy, but I know that just overall, sometimes that can take a lot out of you. And so I appreciate you being available, um, being active, getting around to different states and different events, because uh, there are still a lot of people, probably the overwhelming majority of people who've never heard of you. They've never met you in their mind. They think someone like you doesn't exist. And so uh, keep up the great work. And um We'll look forward to seeing you in person soon. Chloe Cole has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Thanks, Chloe. Thanks for having me. All right. As Chloe exits our Zoom room, I got a little bit of uh, time to do some wrap up. Uh, you know, look, we did have our big policy event uh, a week and a half ago. Chloe was one of the speakers. I sat down with her also afterwards. As a matter of fact, our one of our board members, Vince Puente, conducted the interview, the coffee talk and chat or whatever of the featured presentation with Chloe Cole during the event. And I mean, you could have heard a pin drop in the room. I mean, the information is so incredible and striking when you hear it directly from someone who has been involved in this circumstance and in this scenario and these procedures, right? And your heart breaks for her too, right? You think about, you know, things that she gave up and how difficult that must have been those first times when she realized, you know what, I, I want to be a mother and now I've given that up that ability. I've had that taken away from me. And so um, these are real circumstances that we want to protect young people and families from. Hey, listen, you want to learn more about people that support our work? Eagle Peak Shooting Range here in the northwest part of Austin, Cedar Park. Actually, I think it's technically in Leander. Check them out. Eagle Peak Shooting Range, our good friends, Jim and D-Day, that own that facility and are also uh, very strong supporters of Texas Values. And just a little personal shout out, if you're in the Leander, Cedar Park, northwest Austin area here in Texas, and you want to go out and play golf for a good cause, Check out the um, Savio, um, St. Dominic Savio Golf Tournament happening on November 10th. If you go to that website, saviochs.org, S-A-V-I-O-C-H-S.org. Okay, my son is on the golf team, but this event is not just to support the golf team. It's for the athletics of this particular school for a good cause, a nonprofit cause. So if you want to go play a golf, I might be out there. You might check, um, not that I'm all that good at golf, We'll see how my timing works out. That's on November 10th. Um, listen, if you didn't get to the event, the, the policy event, check out our website and social media. We've got a lot of highlights, a lot of wrap up, a lot of things we pulled from that event. We want you to still see because it was and continues to be about educating, motivating, and activating people on the issues of faith, family, and freedom. Um, a lot of the work was done at the event. A lot of the information, the experience was at that event, but the information is still there after the fact. We want you to have a benefit of that, including the interviews in the, the featured presentation with Chloe Cole. She, they were, I think they had 30, 35 minutes together, much longer than we're covering here on this show. Listen, we got some great events coming up. We're going to do a big event, a gala out in Houston area, uh, probably in the middle of November. Also, December 6th, we're having a luncheon in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, specifically in Plano, northeast of Dallas. If you want to check that out, that's December 6th. That's a luncheon at Glen Eagles Country Club. Kelly Shackelford, one of the most successful First Amendment lawyers of our time period. He helped win the Coach Kennedy football case. He is going to be one of our featured speakers at that event. He's also a board member of Texas Values, so we're excited to have him there. And we actually give out an award in Kelly's name, right? That's kind of fun. You're sitting there, and they give out an award. It's got your name on it. Anyway, Kelly will be a part of that presentation. 
And um, you're going to want to be there because he went through heart surgery recently. All right. Go and wish him well. And let's show up for Kelly, right, to show him that support. But it's a great opportunity to support the work we do at Texas Values. You can get those tickets at TXValues.org. As a matter of fact, we're doing some early bird pricing. So if you want to jump on that now, the prices will go up to regular price by the end of this week, I think, starting on Saturday. So check that out at TXValues.org. Excuse me. I was in D.C. last week. Uh, talking to some other state and national leaders about the pro-life issue and trying to find out what do we need to be doing moving forward? Where are we as a movement? What's happening in other states and how does that impact my state? So you're going to see us talk a little bit about more of that. But, you know, we're continuing to see what's going to happen with the special session at the state legislature. Um, it is a certainty, okay, that Governor Abbott is going to call a special session. I mean, that's what he's saying, right? I believe him. Um, we're hearing probably in October, sometime between uh, now and Thanksgiving. So I would imagine maybe the first or second week of October, there are rumors that it's going to start on October 9th. We'll see. Be ready for that. We're going to be fully engaged in supporting school choice in a variety of different ways. And there may be some other things that the governor decides to have in the special session, but the school choice issue and parental rights and choice issues are going to be the top issues of that special session. And listen, you want to come to the Capitol, start getting ready. All right. Our offices across the street, we're going to facilitate from the Capitol. We're going to facilitate that. And um, so be ready. Check out um, some of the videos we've done before on how to sign up to testify, how to get around the Capitol, all that good stuff. Uh, we're going to want to make sure you're equipped on that. And those are just some of the many reasons why you should consider supporting us. You don't just have to come to an event or do some of those things. You can make a donation. You can use a donor advised fund. You can use your stocks. You can give us gifts that we could sell like cars, boats, and um, RVs. You could give us gift cards, your gas cards, your airline miles, a variety of ways to help us cover our costs so we can do the work that we do for faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And that's getting involved in court cases, getting involved in legislation, and also um, media work that we're doing. You know, one of the things about our policy event that was new was all the media outlets that we had there, the interviews that we had for ourselves, but also for our speakers, a big benefit from them. Uh, American Heritage Girls, we had this wonderful girls group that was out there that works on leadership for young ladies. Check them out and see about the work that they're doing. But we had a lot more young people there. Speaking of young people, I'm going to be speaking at the Texas Youth Summit on Saturday at three o'clock in Houston this week. So check me out there and uh, see some of the work we're doing. I'll be talking about the pro-life issue. Uh, but listen, go to our website, go to our social media channels, tell your friends about the work we're doing. And that's how together we can protect faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.